another episode of Inside Sports Fantasy Football. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you can get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, of course, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Domination Sports Nation, where they cover the sports world like no one else, wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can support all that, including subscribing to the Pop Culture Cosmos below on YouTube or on Twitch, it is sincerely appreciated. And just as a reminder, if you have any questions about your team, about transactions, about waiver wire, trades, lineup changes, whatever that you are talking about or worrying about within the realm of fantasy football, please go ahead and hit us up, isfantasyfootball at yahoo.com or insidesportsff on Twitter. All right, week two in the NFL brought more exciting news, more exciting things, a breakout performance, but was it for real? We'll be talking about what we think is for real and what is not for real after two weeks of the NFL regular season. But here today to talk about that is a good man indeed. He is back once again talking fantasy football like no one else. Good man. You got to go ahead and check out him and his son, Dominic, on the Domination Sports Nation. It is Mr. Chris Ardieri. Chris, great to have you back. All right, my friend, again, this is usually something that we go ahead and do early on in the season, early trends that we like to follow, both negative and positive when it comes to certain players, players maybe that already look like they might not be having a good season and might not have a good season that were projected to be high, players that weren't projected to be high that are breaking out that could potentially break out for maybe even some regular play or even superstardom and some superstars as well doing what they do your thoughts on the season so far and some standouts one way or the other gerald great to be back thanks for having me again standout wise look you've you've got the usual suspects in fantasy football i think what tua did was really impressive and the fact that they were down what 28 7 at one point 35 14 i even lost track look i picked the dolphins in the the doghouse underdog bet last week and was pleasantly surprised i wasn't expecting that but i think everyone knew tyreek hill was going to be dangerous in miami um, yeah. especially with a lot of the you know, a lot of short passes bubble screens a guy can take off but the guy i think that's emerging and who i i thought would trend upward this year but not this quick is Jalen waddle because now the teams are going to constantly key on hill like they did when he was in Kansas City, is just going to open more opportunities for Waddle. And we saw that this weekend. I mean, it was almost like flag football at times. So I think he's one of your breakout stars. Another guy who uh, Dom and I got in both our leagues, full disclosure, we met him at the NFL Super Bowl experience here in L.A. a week before the big game. Nice guy. Uh, we like the way he played down the stretch, and he's now got a streak of catching, I think it's like eight or more balls, and I forget how many consecutive games now. I'm on Ross St. Brown of the Detroit Lions. Yes, uh, guys, very much so. Watching him on hard knocks, guy's a chip on his shoulder. He knew Fight every on, single... USC Trojan. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I saw a tweet, I don't remember who it was, that said that between him, Drake London, and I forget who the other receiver was. There uh, are having... so many USC wide receivers that – are currently in the NFL. It is the wide receiver school in university. There's, yeah. there's no one better. 
And, and what was Clay Hilton doing? I guess not recruiting a quarterback. But anyway, or I, I defense. just or th- defense that too, which is astounding. But that's for another show, another time. But yeah, guy's got a chip on his shoulder. He recited every single wide receiver that was drafted ahead of him. Read a story. He had this big party. Thought he was going to be drafted. You know, at least by day two, which is crushed. And I think it's really motivated him. And frankly, it's helping Jared Goff too. It seems like you know he's at least a serviceable fantasy football backup right now. Absolutely. He is actually in that mix as far as a QB2 and even a QB1. He's actually one of the most prolific quarterbacks right now in the NFL. Him and Joe Flacco are the big surprises right now. And they're still, both of them, free agents in a lot of leagues out there. So be aware that both those guys have over 40 points right now in the fantasy league. And both those quarterbacks are available. So if you're hurting at the quarterback position and you don't want to make a trade, Go ahead and seek out Jared Goff and Joe Flacco because right now they are playing very well. It's going to be hard to get Joe Flacco out of that lineup. Garrett Wilson, rookie wide receiver out of Ohio State, looks like he's really poised for a big season. Uh, Flacco uh, targeted him a couple times for touchdowns in Cleveland this past Sunday. So, look, like we say, there's a difference between real football and fantasy football, and people will scoff at Goff. Sorry, I didn't mean to make a rhyme there, but – the guy puts up solid numbers and they're steady. I don't think he necessarily is a franchise quarterback, but I'd like him on my fantasy football team. One thing I wanted to ask you, and you did talk about this earlier, was Jalen Waddle. Can Jalen Waddle keep up this kind of performance? The fact is that he and Tyreek Hill have virtually the same amount of targets. So they almost have the same type of production. And I want to ask you, if this is going to continue or will Tyreek Hill become the dominant receiver for Miami? Because we'll get into Tua next as far as if he can continue his success as well. Yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily going to be difficult for him to continue this pace. And here's why. If you look at it right, I know right now they're probably the best one, two wide receiver tandem in the NFL, but no other team can really match them. I mean, even with the Rams, Team's double, team Cooper Cup, he still puts up great numbers. Uh, if you double team Hill, Waddle's going to burn you, and vice versa. And then Gasicki's a good tight end. He, he caught a touchdown on Sunday. So I'm not quite sure. I think the only obstacle they can run into is if Tua gets streaky again and if they run into an unfavorable defensive matchup, which potentially could be the the Bills this past is com- coming Sunday. Team on a roll, really stout on the defensive side of the ball. They may be able to contain them, but I don't think you put either Hill or Waddle on your bench this week. The one thing I did want to ask you leading into that was Tua Tagovailoa. And with Tua, six touchdowns last week, an incredible performance. Obviously, you got to give him a lot of credit for being that player that was much maligned over the past couple of seasons, but has now broken out to be someone that I think that people are starting to think may become a second-level player. Your thoughts on Tua for the rest of the season? I think he's worth a shot. I mean, we tried to get him in one league as a backup. We couldn't, so we're not the only ones that had the same idea. Uh, Again, much like Goff, I think the jury's still out as to whether he's a a bona fide QB number one, but given the injuries we've seen already, Trey Lance, for instance, uh, Dak Prescott, I think you do pretty darn well to have him as your bench quarterback. I think that's some nice depth. And as we learned in the real NFL this week, uh, the 49ers keeping Jimmy Garoppolo was a great move, and you should take the same approach with your fantasy team. Have a backup that in a moment's notice you could start every week and put up a good 20 to 30 points if necessary. I will tell you right now that 
in the running back position. I'm very happy with what I've seen so far from Nick Chubb. All apologies to Cleveland Brown fans, but I am glad that he actually scored that last touchdown, which he wasn't supposed to score, which he apologized for later. Helped me out. Unfortunately, did not help his team, but he is having a terrific season so far as the top running back in fantasy football. Yeah, he had a phenomenal game Sunday, and if they don't blow that, then I think everyone will be talking about Chubb's performance. And look, I get it. It's the heat of the moment. None of his teammates told him to go to the ground. I don't think when he's rushing for the end zone, he's thinking about how many timeouts the Jets have or how much time exactly is left on the clock as he's chugging down the the hash mark. But at the same time, that's a coach's job to tell him that. And, and let's not forget this. Cade York, hero of week one, booming a 58-yard game-winning field goal, misses a gimme extra point. We're not even talking about this. Uh, there's so much to look forward to for the rest of the season on who might be producing this whole time. Of course, the standards, which for a lot of people out there has been Josh Allen, basically for the first two weeks, just been outstanding, which is something that was not unexpected at all. We thought he was going to be the guy that probably could be one of the top players in fantasy football, just like he was last year. Lamar Jackson in a contract year, we knew he was going to be able to perform and he's actually number one right now in fantasy football with a slight edge over Josh Allen. Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen's top receiver. Can he continue at this pace? Because right now he's right behind them as the number three performer overall in fantasy football. I think he can. I think it'll tail off Gabe Davis, who's probably one of the best number two receivers in the NFL, sprained his ankle and didn't play this past Monday night. So I think he'll take some targets from him, but the guy's a bona fide number one. I think he could definitely stay in the, the top three to five. And Josh Allen clearly loves throwing to him and he loves catching the ball. So I do think that can continue, but it would be it would be hard to see him continue at this pace just because I'm I'm very high on, on Davis too. It's another situation where the Bills probably can make an argument they have the best one-two tandem at receiver and I think they're equally dangerous. We may be headed to the replay booth, but we'll be right back with Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, so you would watch the Tomorrow War before the Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, you, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say the Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. <laughs> well played sir well played yes that's the only reason for the flashbacks to, to remind you what a good matrix movie was that's the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse catch our shows on worldwide radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts hey lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos articles podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. One of the things I wanted to ask you are players right now at or near the top of the fantasy football rankings, which of these players stand out as someone that you think may not be able to sustain the high level of 
point getting right now after two weeks? Hard to say. I mean, I think Cooper Cup, and, and I have him on one team, I do think, like I mentioned, this double teaming and the fact that Allen Robinson, while we had a touchdown, hasn't really emerged yet, and I'm still worried about Stafford's arm. I think Cup will put up great numbers, but is he going to put up a year like last year? Is he going to remain at or near the top for wide receivers, given the Justin Jeffersons and Diggs of the world? Probably not. So while I'm, I'm not saying Cup's going to have a bad year, he's not going to have a Cooper Cup 2021 year, in my opinion. Well, the thing is, he has more targets by far than anyone else, which is kind of exhausting when you look about it, when you think about it, especially after last year, how much he was thrown to. You're talking about a guy who's leading the league again in targets. He is, and I mean, that's clearly Stafford's safety blanket. We saw it in the Super Bowl. We saw it all last year. I just don't think teams are going to allow it. I mean, Stafford will likely try it, but guy's a phenomenal receiver. He makes unbelievable catches in traffic, but I just think over time, you know, the, the, the trend may continue, but at some point you've got to throw to someone else. And on top of that, the Rams really have no ground attack. It's a three-headed monster of no ones, it seems like, this year. And teams are, in general, going to key on the pass at some point. Looks like it. And after their week one debacle, where they got destroyed by the Bills at home, they righted the ship, as you and I suspected that they would in week two, that they looked pretty good on the offensive side of the ball. So right now, Cooper Cup is going to pick up the large share of the offense, but I think that there are other players out there right now at the top or near the top of the fantasy football rankings that maybe will not materialize as well over the course of the entire year. I mean, Joe Flacco right now, again, solid right now with over 40 points, very good. One of the top 10 quarterbacks right now in the rankings, as far as the fantasy football is concerned, especially with the fact that he was only going to be a temporary replacement. I don't see that happening for the entire year, but hold on to him while you can. Definitely. And look, Flacco struggled in week one, too. Let's not forget he got the bulk of those points in week two against the Browns. Let's face it, when Zach Wilson's healthy, he's going to play. This team needs to assess as to whether he's a franchise quarterback. They're paying him like a number two pick. So when the doctor clears him, they're going to give him the reps. Uh, Flacco has done a nice job. But at the same time, even in Flacco's heyday, he was streaky. He'd have some weeks with five touchdowns and others where he looked like, you know, he was a second string quarterback. So I uh, got to agree with you there. I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a short term trend. It won't continue, but they play the Bengals this week and look at the Bengals defense. They've, they've been exploited uh, you know, by a backup quarterback last week in in Dallas at certain points of that game. So uh, situationally play them as you need them. One of the things I, I do want to go back to before we head on to some other things I want to talk about on the other end, as far as the players that are not doing so well, that kind of stand out. Hendricks has a question that he wanted to float it to us. And that's who ends up higher Waddle or Hill? by the end of the season. That's a tough one. Um, I really wouldn't be surprised if it is Waddle. I think he really had an, uh, a came on in the second half last year. I, I like the flashes he showed. And I just think too, teams traditionally have not, have tried to not let Tyreek Hill beat them. He's an explosive guy, but I mean, there've been seasons where he's had single digit touchdowns. And, you know, if Waddle capitalizes on that, just right there off of the, the yardage and the extra TDs he gets, he may eke out Hill. So I think it'll be close, but uh, I just think Waddle is a, a wide receiver, one talent who just happens to play behind one of the best wide receivers in football. 
And that's one of the reasons why I'm going with Hill as a slight edge, is the reason why when I look at it as far as the number of targets to the number of catches, Hill actually has outdistanced Waddle. The only difference is the reason why they're still together is even though Hill even has, he has about, I think about 40 or 50 more yards right now than Waddle, is the fact that Waddle has more touchdowns. So Waddle has more big play capability, but Tyreek Hill, to me, is the more every down type of receiver. I actually think over the course of the year, Hill, as long as, if let's say both stay healthy, which is a big if, I still think Hill, just because of the fact that you paid him so much as an organization to go ahead and get him here. I think actually over the course of a year, I think you're going to go ahead and probably lean on Hill a little bit more. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think what makes me lean towards Waddle is just what you said. He might get some of these red zone touchdowns or teams True. are just not going to let Hill beat them. And, you know, kind of like the old Kareem Hunt comes in on third down and gets a cheap TD and Nick Chubb's taking a break on the bench type thing. One of the things I would want to ask you before we go to our week three picks and woof, 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 a trip to the doghouse, <laughs> wanted to ask you some of the more disappointing players so far and whether or not they're going to stay a disappointing player for the entire season or if they're going to turn around at some point. The first name that sticks out to me is someone that was picked at the high end, in fact, in the top three to four picks of everyone's draft. And that is Christian McCaffrey, who doesn't even have 30 points collected over the course of two games, which isn't too bad for a running back, but that's not where you want him to be for a guy that you probably picked first or second in your fantasy football draft. Yeah, and that's exactly why were I sitting in the number two spot in my drafts, I wouldn't have taken him um, besides the durability questions. I just don't like that Carolina offense. Uh, my beloved Giants, I'm, I'm proud to wear the hat again for the time being. Who knows how long it'll last, but uh, they really keyed on him and, and shut him down, and teams are just going to continue to do that. They don't fear Baker Mayfield. Frankly, they don't really seem to fear the wide receivers the Panthers have either. So I think uh, as long as that continues, McCaffrey's going to get touches, but I'm just big picture, top down. I'm worried about that Carolina offense, uh, especially given that former – debacle of a Giants head coach, Ben McAdoo, is on the sidelines there in Carolina. I see, though, two other running backs that were drafted high, Joe Mixon, and of course, everybody's number one, or almost everybody's number one, except our league actually wasn't, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. I know Jonathan Taylor has been struggling with Indiana, uh, Indiana as far as Indianapolis, as far as the Colts are concerned, but the guy's still averaging five yards a pop. He's only scored one touchdown as of yet. I really think there's a breakout game in store for Jonathan Taylor. I also think that there's a breakout game in store for Joe Mixon, especially now that, you know, with Burrow, what his situation is going on as far as him not getting off to the greatest start as well. I really think that Mixon and, of course, there's going to be a little bit more I, I'm going to see from him and also as well, Jonathan Taylor. I agree with both. First, with Mixon, there have been times where he's slow to start or will have these streaky periods or he has. He's getting games. the touches. Yeah. So it'll it'll come. I just think, you know, everyone's talking about the Super Bowl hangover. I think that line is not as cohesive, even though it's an improvement on paper. I think they've got to get things together. And I think uh, Zach Taylor will realize that if Burrow keeps getting sacked at this pace, um, he's going to have to rely on Mixon more. As for Taylor, I just think that offense has been a disaster. The good news is that he's going to continue to get the touches. Matt Ryan doesn't look that great. And, you know, last year, Frank Reich really leaned on Taylor, middle latter half of the season. And let's face it, they play the AFC South, so he's got some favorable matchups, other than playing in Jacksonville, which seems to be the Colts' nemesis. 
Is there anyone that came into the season with a whole bunch of hype that you couldn't hear enough about that we all heard a lot about, which got a lot of positive feedback higher up in the draft that is not performing where you think they should be and is not going to con- maybe is basically not going to be able to sustain that as far as being able to produce a good season. It looks like that they're already on their way to having a bad season at this point in time. Of course, Trey Lance sticks out more than anybody, but that's sure. due to injury. But anybody that's looking like they're having a bad season now that's going to continue that round? Uh, C.D. Lamb, and that's tangential to Zach Pres- uh, Dak Prescott's injury. And while I think Cooper Rush is a serviceable backup, uh, Lamb's just not going to get the numbers or targets he would if Prescott was playing. So I think for the time being, that's going to affect his production. Maybe in the second half of the year with Prescott back, it'll improve. But team got rid of Amari Cooper, and he's the number one there. And I just don't think he's going to play like one for the time being. Two players that very surprisingly are on the lower end as far as fantasy football producers are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Are both those guys headed to subpar seasons? Is it their age finally catching up to them at this point in time? Could be, but I I think there are other factors at play there, namely Brady, the offensive line, and the injuries at wide receiver. So going in, I wasn't very high on him. And with Rodgers, who's he going to throw to? And with that two-headed monster at running back between uh, Dylan and Aaron Jones, I think basically they're going to lean on the run a little more until teams like the Vikings force them to throw. And who's he got? Lazard's probably his favorite target de facto, but he's been banged up. So yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to see that. Listen, Rogers got a ton of points the last two years because he had Devontae Adams. They both benefited each other. And with him gone, I, I think that can only affect his productivity negatively. What about Tom Brady? Obviously he's going through a lot of personal troubles recently. As of late, we all know that it's been the tabloids all over the place. Do you think it's affecting him on the field as well? Hard to say. I mean, he threw a hissy fit on the sideline and, you know, Mike Evans started a brawl on his behalf, but you just don't know, right? Like the the media loves to speculate that. I think, and, you know, especially in the last few years uh, and his last year in New England, Brady does not like getting hit. He does not like being pressured. He's not a mobile quarterback, uh, 45 years old on top of it. And I just don't think he's got the weapons he needs. You know, Mike Evans is going to be suspended this week in a big game against the Packers. Godwin with the knee trouble again. So I I can't attribute it solely to the off the field stuff. Who knows? You know, some of these guys are great at tuning out the noise or, you know, when they're on the field, that's all they focus on. They've got tunnel vision. So I think it's just more of an on field thing and it it can't be the play calling because Byron Leftwich is still there. Brady wanted him to stay as OC. So those are the things I think that are really affecting him. Once again, it's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. It's Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, Mr. Chris Sardieri from the Domination Sports Nation. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today with his awesome son, Mr. Dominic, right there for you, wherever you get your podcasts. But before we head on out, you know we got to go ahead and cover what we think are the best picks for this weekend. And of course, a trip down woof, 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 to the doghouse. But first, my friend, week three in the NFL. I don't like as many of the matchups as I did last week. Um, there's still a couple that stick out to me, but what sticks out to you in regard to some week three matchups in the NFL? I'm going to go completely contrarian and the fact that I like the matchup and he's playing at home and it's on in prime time. 
Let's go back to Kirk Cousins. Horrible performance on Monday Night Football in Philadelphia, yes. but this week gets to go back home to Minneapolis, play the Lions, who seem to have a fairly porous defense. So I think that gets him, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen up and running again, and potentially Dalvin Cook. But uh, Cousins just – it's got to be a trend at this point, right? Like he, he looks like a deer in the headlights in some of these big pressure nationally televised games. And um, I just don't think it's a coincidence anymore, but the, the lions will help the teams going up against the lions the last two weeks, their quarterbacks have fared well. So I think he gets back in the groove. One team that sticks out to me is a team that you are most familiar with. And that's the giants at home on Monday night against the Cowboys, a Cowboys, team that's coming in with Cooper Rush for another week. Your thoughts on this matchup because I like the Giants. You know, they could be 3 and 0, man. Time for celebration for you. They could. What worries me though is this Dallas defense is the thing no one's talking about. My- Micah Parsons is a phenomenal football player. I mean, we know he's rookie of the year, but he's now becoming a uh one of the top-notch defensive players in all of the league. And I I just you know, the Giants gridded out as a very un-Giants of the last five years win. Their MVP truly has been and is Graham Gano. And I could see the Giants having another slugfest defensive struggle. Daniel Jones still worries me with the decision-making, the turnovers at times. So I think if the Cowboys can stop Saquon Barkley and you know force Jones to try and win the game, they'll stay in this game. I think it'll be a low-scoring affair, but I think that bodes well for both kickers and well, however, I am optimistic the Giants could pull this out, but, you know, strange things have seemed to happen with this franchise, so I'm cautiously optimistic, as always. You know I'm here in Vegas, and obviously a lot now revolves around the Raiders <laughs> and their dismal start. If they walk into Tennessee this coming weekend, when they play the Titans and they come out a loser, could we be seeing a, a change already at head coach? No, I do not think that. I mean, I'm sure everyone want to scapegoat Josh McDaniels, but I think if anything, it could signal the beginning of the end of the Derek Carr run. Um, I just, you know, you can't blame him solely for collapsing last week. I mean, the defense was atrocious. So in their slight defense, it's hard to tackle Kyler Murray when he's running around for 20 seconds on a two-point conversion. But regardless, you know. When, it looked when beautiful, the, man. Look beautiful. Oh. Especially since he's on my fantasy football yeah. team. That helps too. But watching that live was just unbelievable. Dom and yes. I were stunned. But anyway, yeah, I don't. I think it's too early to pull the plug on that. I mean, you've got to give the guy some time to take. Yeah, maybe Al Davis would have fired him after three games back in the day. But I, I think he's safe. Now, that said, they go 0-3. I mean, they're really digging themselves a hole in one of the toughest divisions in football. And, you know, to Tennessee's another team that's really underachieved. So, one of these two teams is going to start 0-3 and we'll be on the outside looking in and both were playoff teams last year. Are you surprised that the, there's only going to be one 2-0 matchup between two teams this coming weekend already? I am, but given the, the craziness of last weekend with the comebacks and it's seeming like the, the underdogs waking up or the teams that had horrible week one performances turning it around, like the Jets, for instance, uh, not entirely shocked. Parody's alive and well. And look, with the expanded wild card slot again this year, we're going to see you know, a 9-8 and eight team get in. Who knows if there'll be an 8-9 and nine team. So um, I, I think it makes for interesting, not only as a fan, but a viewer, because, uh, you know, the old school 
mantra any given Sunday. I mean, there are so many more teams that are in it week to week. Once again, it's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. If you have any questions for us, always feel free to reach out to us, isfantasyfootball at yahoo.com or Inside Sports FF on Twitter. But before we head on out, my friend, you know where we're going. We're heading out the front door. We're heading just before we get to the end of the lawn. There it is, over there in the corner. Woof, woof, woof. It's time to head to the doghouse. Gerald, thank you. As I was watching that Dolphins-Ravens game, I was thinking to myself, why did I pick them? But then I remembered <laughs> why. As I as I thought, the, the, the Ravens always seem to just find a way to lose these big games. And, you know, whether it's uh, Lamar fumbling on the one-yard line that could have made the difference or the defense just completely letting Tyreek Hill get behind them 10 yards at a time, I'll take it. A win's a win. Nice to start the season 1-0. This week, like you said, a lot of one-and-one teams facing each other. A lot of kind of odd point spreads. I will say Vegas is on to things. You, there was one home dog getting three and a half. The Cardinals couldn't bring myself to do it, even though I know they play the Rams tough in Phoenix. But I just uh, I have a feeling that'll end up being a four-point game. Don't ask me why. But there is another dog that I thought has played well, regardless of what their record says. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They come to L.A. to SoFi Stadium, where the Chargers have little or no home field advantage. I like the way Trevor Lawrence is developing. Doug Peterson is clearly a better coach than Urban Meyer, and they're getting seven. And, you know, do I think the Jags can pull this off? Possibly. Half of my pick is predicated on the fact that Herbert is still listed as day-to-day questionable, depending on what site you look at. But even if he does play, I mean, Dom and I looking at that Thursday night game, we're like, this guy had to break a rib or something. He was in excruciating pain. So I don't think he'll be 100%. So maybe that means the Chargers resort to more short passing, running Eckler, screen passes, whatever the case may be. But I, I could see the Jaguars hanging around. You know, Doug Peterson loves going for two. So maybe they lose the game by six because he converts a two-pointer at some point. So going to uh, gonna go with the Cats, take the Jags plus seven this Sunday in L.A. The thing about the Jags right now is their defense is, is actually forcing a lot of turnovers. That's what I like to see. I mean, if, if you have them on your fantasy football team, you are very happy at this point in time because they are able to go ahead and force a lot of interceptions. They've got more interceptions than anyone else in the NFL. And if they continued that route, they that keeps them in games. You know, we mind you, they've been the joke of the NFL for the, quite a number of years, but they're starting to put it all together slowly, but they are starting to put it all together. They have. They've really drafted well on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, this linebacker Lloyd from Utah, who I, I really like just watching in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, looks like he's going to be a nice NFL player. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. And when they had that last run, when they really should have beaten the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, that team was filled with studs on the defensive side of the ball that the Jags had drafted. So I, I think it's indicative and reminiscent of that. My friend, it's been a great episode as always. Once again, if you have any questions for us on trades, waiver wires, lineup changes, you name it in regards to fantasy football, please go ahead and hit us up inside sports FF on Twitter or isfantasyfootball at yahoo.com. But my friend, it's been a great episode. I truly appreciate it. You being part of it. Can't wait till Dominic shows up again for another great episode when he can obviously work first. That's got to be a thing. But before we end on out, any last things of note as far as either waiver wire or lineup changes or things that you are going to go ahead and give advice on to fantasy football owners for this weekend in the NFL? Yeah. 
Yeah, we have Russell Wilson as a starting quarterback in one league, and I'm sounding the alarm bells, but that's a, a bigger picture item, and we can talk about that as the weeks progress. But what we did is we had Trey Lance as his backup, and so uh, went out there in waivers and saw it was available and got the guy who wasn't allowed to practice with his team a couple months ago. But, oh, look at that. He's a starting quarterback in San Francisco again, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I think you could do worse as a backup quarterback. I think this will bode well for Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, for instance. Once George Kittle's healthy again, that's going to be good for him. So there's a name to consider if the Goffs and the Tua's of the world are not out there on your waiver wire. Jimmy G just uh, seems to have nine lives, right? So I think, too, in the NFC West, not a lot of great defensive teams, which is also a plus for him. Once again, it's Chris Lardieri. Please go ahead and catch him and his son, Dominic, today at the Domination Sports Nation, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, I'm wishing you the best of luck this weekend. I know in our league, you made a comeback. You're you're one and one, my friend. We woke up. I know. I don't know who's leading the league right now. In, um, I don't know who that know could this. be. There's some guy, he's named after a podcast, pop culture, something or other. I don't know who that is. Wouldn't know who that is. I don't know. He's doing a good job, whoever he is. Oh, I tell you what, I am just riding high off of Josh Allen and Nick Chubb. Uh, I don't (laughs) have the depth that I thought I would have. At least Yahoo thought I had more depth than I actually end up doing. So I've been trying to work on that. But yeah, right now I'm still concerned for down the road. Right now it looks great, but if I get some injuries and usually I get some injuries, I don't know. I don't know. I'm hoping for some trades. Anybody want Kyler Murray out there in my league? Go <laughs> forward, man. Bring those trades on, bring those trades on indeed. But once again, it's inside sports fantasy football, Chris Ardieri and Gerald Glassford coming back at you. We're looking forward to another great weekend in the NFL and we'll be back with more. In fact, next week, Next week is always our special week of the year because it's our Don't Panic episode. (laughs) And that's coming up next week right here at Inside Sports Fantasy Football.